Hello and welcome to Sunday Morning Bible Study. I'm so glad to spend this time with you. I wish that we were together because um, it's more fun to discuss these concepts in community, but this is a resource that the Lord has given us and so I'm grateful for it. We're starting a new series on the book of Ephesians. Now, if you're looking for Ephesians in your Bible, we always have this little cheesy way to remember it. Go eat popcorn. So there's Galatians, then Ephesians. So go for Galatians, eat Ephesians, eat pop, Philippians, and corn, Colossians. So Ephesians is between Galatians and Philippians, and it is a book in which Paul encourages the churches in Ephesus. Now I had a seminary professor that used to quip that there are the three most important factors when approaching a new text, and they are this, context, context, and context. So as we're starting this study on Ephesians, I feel like we have to do a little work with the context. Now, I've never been to the land of the Bible. I really hope to go one day, and many of you may have already been to Ephesus, but um, it's in modern day Turkey and it's a very sophisticated um, city during Bible times. It was famous for the temple to Artemis or the temple to Diana in Greek. And this temple was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. There's a picture of what we think it looked like on the screen. Um, so as I was trying to think about Ephesus and the city to which this book was written, the churches in the region of Ephesus, um, I began to make some parallels with a city that I have visited, and that is Mexico City. I lived there for a couple of years. They're both um, cultural centers of commerce, and they have huge gathering places. For example, in Mexico City, they are known for their soccer stadiums, they're huge. Well, Ephesus during Bible times had a huge theater. There's a picture of it on the screen. It could hold 25,000 people. More about that theater in a moment. Um, I also made some parallels between what I believe was the worship of Artemis, this goddess that um, Ephesians believe fell an image of her from the sky and they have taken this stone image and they put it in the temple to Artemis and many of the people were in a cult that worshiped this goddess. Well, in Mexico City, they wouldn't say it this way, but many of the people worshiped the Virgin of Guadalupe. And they have a, a story of how the Virgin also appeared um, to a man named Juan Diego. He was traveling and he, she appeared to him and then she imprinted her image on his cloak. Well, the reason I make the connect is because in Mexico, the image of the Virgin of Guadalupe is everywhere. It's on statues, in parks, in shrines, on necklaces, in t-shirts, even candles. And there's this whole basilica or this whole church complex that is all to revere the Virgin of Guadalupe. And I think in Ephesus, the same kind of thing was going on. There were these silversmiths that we read about in Acts 19 who were making statues 
that were um, statues of the goddess Artemis. And I believe they probably had statues everywhere of her. And this temple that is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was this huge structure that was dedicated to her worship. And so Paul comes on the scene and visits with the church of Ephesus. Well, it's not even a church at first, but he goes to Ephesus and he spends three years there making disciples. You can look back at Acts 19. He starts out as he usually does in the synagogue and he would teach in the synagogue daily. And then there were some people after three months that became obstinate with him. And he moved to a lecture hall to preach. Acts tells us that God was doing such extraordinary things through Paul's ministry that even handkerchiefs or aprons that he touched were taken to people who were sick and they were cured. And after three years, the people began to believe in Jesus. There was quite a following and a church to the glory of Jesus our Lord. Now, the, this did not make the artisans and the silversmiths in Ephesus very happy because they had much to lose if the goddess Artemis was not the one who everyone revered. I'm going to take us back to Acts 19 to hear what Demetrius, who was one of the artisans, had to say about Paul and this ministry. Uh-oh, I've lost my place. Um, I had it queued up and everything. All right, let's see here. Acts 19. Okay, this is what Demetrius says. Men, you know we receive a good income from this business. So they're the silversmiths. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and it's practically the whole province of Asia. So Paul is making many converts to, to Jesus. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. There is danger not only to our trade that we will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself, who is worshiped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. Now, you and I know that Artemis is not a true God, that we serve the one true God. And Paul has come on the scene to teach and preach about this one true God. And Demetrius doesn't like it. And so at the end of Acts 19, Demetrius incites a riot in that big theater that I showed you a picture of. And for hours, um, the people are rioting until a city clerk comes on the scene and calms them down. Needless to say, the, the believers encouraged Paul to leave Ephesus at that time, but it's not without consequence. He has made many converts who become the churches in Ephesus. Now, this is the people to whom Paul is writing, but his letter is much later, and he is writing from Rome where he sits in a jail cell in about A.D. 60 
or 61. And we read these verses. Let's start with verse 1 from Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Now that is 11 words in the English language, but that is packed with meaning. It starts with the word Paul. Remember Paul's story? He was also called Saul. Do you know what the word Paul means? Small. Do you know what the word Saul means? Well, I don't either, but I know that Saul brings to mind the first king of Israel, a powerful man with broad shoulders, someone who looked like a king. But by contrast, Paul in his new name means small. But I think it's just a picture of his whole theme in ministry. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. This is what Paul would say in 1 Corinthians. And he believes that he, though small, by the will of God, so not by his own power, but by God's will, is a servant of Christ Jesus or an apostle. We remember the great story, don't we, on the road of Damascus where God changes Paul's trajectory, and he calls him to be a minister of the name of Jesus Christ through all the Gentile lands. All right, let's read on. To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's just giving them a greeting and he is applauding them for their faithfulness to the message about Jesus Christ. And then the letter takes a little bit of a turn. Um, well, it, it's still encouraging, but it's interesting. In verses 13, 3 through 14, excuse me, verses 3 through 14, it is the longest run-on sentence in the New Testament, in the Bible. And in this wordy, long run-on sentence in Greek, uh, Paul teaches the Ephesian churches about their blessedness in Christ Jesus. So I'm just going to take us through a couple of these verses and remind you and me that we have the same blessings that the churches in Ephesus had. Look at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Okay, it starts with praise. Verse 3, praise be to God. This is something that Paul instructs us in often in um, subversive ways. We must start with doxology, with praise for what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. He's given us so many spiritual blessings. A little side note here is that you're going to hear the Trinity in these verses. It starts with God the Father, and then he talks about God the Son, and then at the end of this passage, he talks about God the Holy Spirit. All right, let's read verse 4 together. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Um, the fact is, in Christ Jesus, we have been chosen before the creation of the world, before the first light of dawn. You and I were chosen in the mind 
of God. He had a plan for Jesus Christ. Jesus is not plan B. He is plan A to redeem us um, from our sin. And those of us who um, come to faith in Jesus are chosen by God. One person explained um, this chosenness in terms of human parental terms. Um, if you're a parent, you know that you've been thinking about your children way before they were born. And the same is true for our God. We are not an afterthought. All right, let's look at verses five and six to see another way that we're blessed. We are chosen and we are also adopted. Um, picking up at the very end of verse four. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. We have been adopted. But did you notice that our adoption is tied to our relationship with Jesus? Because of Jesus, we have been freely given the title of son and daughter. Let's keep reading verses seven and eight. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Another spiritual blessing, redemption. And forgiveness of sins, what a blessing in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. And then he continues on. So another spiritual blessing that we have is redemption. Did you notice that it is redemption through Christ's blood? This is tying our salvation back to the cross and to the resurrection. Jesus went to the cross so that we could be freed from our sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Our redemption includes the beautiful forgiveness that is mentioned here. We have been freed from the penalty of our sin. And then verse nine reminds us that he's made known the mystery of his will. This mystery that the Old Testament prophets were teaching about all throughout the Old Testament. Um, Torah and onward, we see glimpses of a Messiah who is to come. And in the fullness of time, Jesus Christ came. The mystery is revealed that in Jesus, God is reconciling and redeeming humanity to himself. Let's look at verse 11 and see another way that we are blessed. We're using the same word again, chosen, verse 11. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So we are chosen as a people to be conduits of God's love and grace to the people around us. And what is one way that we do this? Well, it's hinted at in verse six, verse um, 12, and verse 14. If you have a Bible before you, you can see at the end of verse six, or in the middle of verse six actually, to the praise 
of his glorious grace. In verse 11, for the praise of his glory. And at the end of verse 14, to the praise of his glory. We were chosen to live lives of gratitude and praise to God, recognizing the mystery he has revealed in Jesus and then giving great thanks for that salvation and pouring in to others around us so that they might know this same message. The way we sustain our lives is through praise um, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit, which we have been sealed with, the final blessing I want to tell you about in verse 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You and I have been sealed with a wonderful spiritual blessing. It is the blessing of the Holy Spirit who lives within us to remind us of Jesus' words, to comfort us, and to guide us as we seek to live lives of praise before others so that they might know the glorious message of Jesus Christ, the one who came to be with us, to save us, to redeem us, and to one day be with us for eternity. Um, I just love being with you this morning, and I hope that as we go through Ephesians, you will be encouraged by Paul's message, reminding us that we are no afterthought, we are chosen in Christ, and Jesus is no afterthought, that he came because God had uh, made a way, he had made a plan before he created the world so that you and I could be redeemed. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Continue to conform us to your image through it. Help us, Lord, to hear the words of Paul as um, spiritual blessings in our ears that we are chosen, that we have been adopted as your sons and your daughters, that we are redeemed and that we should live lives of praise to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.